Oh, here we go. Good morning. Welcome to you. Everybody's, everybody's all feisty this morning. That's good. You ready to go? Ready to worship God together? I'm glad that you're here today. And I'm glad that you're here worshiping with us online. If you're worshiping with us online, hello. Say hello to us. We like to see where you're worshiping from. And we're glad that you're connected to us in that way. I have a, a couple of different uh, announcements to make to you as I welcome you today. Today is a special Sunday. We're doing blessing of the backpacks. And as all of you know, school's starting back. And that's more exciting for some of you than it is for others. But we're all concerned and we all uh, care. We have blessing of the backpacks today. We're going to pray for our students, pray for our teachers, and pray for all those involved in back to school. We have a special uh, connection and relationship with Ripplin Elementary School and Mr. Anthony. Who is the principal there? Is 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 one of our. We try to partner with with them and Stripling with Mr. Ash and Stripling, and be a blessing to them, and they're a blessing to us. So he's going to say a few words, and a little bit later on when we do blessing of the backpack, we're glad to have you here, Mr. Ash, as as always. Um, this coming Tuesday night, the summer supper series for the United Methodist Women is going to be at Trey Regazzi at six o'clock and that doesn't that sound like fun and and good eats too so join them is this this is a fun group of people i know i can tell you firsthand this coming wednesday at 11 o'clock i'll be continuing my acts bible study you can come in person or online but wednesday night we're starting our wednesday wonderful wednesday suppers back up at 5 15 we're having dinner at six o'clock, um, Harriet Murray has a adult Bible study. Uh, they have youth and children's events. I'm doing a special kind of temporary class for the next few weeks, talking about our denominational stuff. We're, this coming Wednesday, we're talking about kind of how we got to this port, uh, point with our denomination. I'll be using the same material that I used in, in January of 2019. Uh, a book called United Methodist Divided. We're going to talk for the next few weeks. I'll answer your questions best I can. We're, anyway, that'll be on Wednesday nights. This coming Wednesday night, though, since it's the beginning of our wonderful Wednesdays, it's our custom to have ice cream. So ice cream social, 6.30 at the portico. You know, in the early service, I got a round of applause when I said ice cream. Y'all must not like ice cream. Okay, uh, next Sunday night, and this is the last announcement, next Sunday night, uh, we begin our Pathways for Our Future speakers. Reverend Monica Harbarger, the Director of United Counseling, is going to come to set the tone for all of our future events because she's going to talk about how to talk with people that you disagree with without getting disagreeable, okay? And that's important for us to do, so pray, participate. Next Sunday night at 6 o'clock, be here for, um, for our first one. Um, let's prepare our hearts for worship.
thanks to the Lord. Remain standing as you're able, please, and let's affirm our faith together with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father. Please be seated and our ushers are about to come and give us an opportunity to share uh, from the blessings in which God has given us our tithes and offerings. Will you join me as we go to the Lord and pray over those? God, every good and perfect thing that you have given to us comes from your loving hands and you have made us able, Lord, to give our talents and our time to you. You have made us able to be your hands and feet in service to others. And you have given us, Lord, blessings so that we can give back to you the tithes and offerings that you have asked us for so that your kingdom can be furthered. And we ask now your blessings on the gift and the giver. In Jesus' name, amen.
Please be seated. It's, it's my belief that if you want to make the world a better place, then you try to be a blessing and help the next generation of kids coming up. And, um, and Mr. Anthony Ash is, is part of that, that group of heroes. I consider them heroes that are trying to do that. And the, and the flip side of that is if you want to get on the fighting side of Pastor Sam, then you hurt or neglect some of those children and God's children. And, and I know he feels the same way. We, uh, we love our kids and we, we love our community and we love what Mr. Ash and the teachers are doing at Stripling. So we, will you say a few words for us, Mr. Ash? Can you come up here and, and just greet us today? Welcome. Mr. Ash, if you'll come up here and join us, I'm going to ask all of our, our kids to bring their backpacks. This is something we try to do every year. All the kids, I want all the kids, if you brought your backpack or if you didn't bring your backpack, students, no matter what, young or old, and I want teachers, y'all come up here too because y'all need prayer uh, as, as much as, as anybody I know. Uh, come on up here and join us. We're going to pray for the beginning of this school year. Uh, yeah, there you go. Come on down here. Yeah, even if you're old enough to drive to school this year, you come on down. That's right. That's right. Okay. I want you all to commit yourself with us. And that's right. Sometimes you're in college and you need a little extra prayer too. That's, uh, and, then, and then you're on the teaching side now, aren't you? My goodness. Wow. We pray for our college students. This morning we had uh, Helene Haller. We prayed for our ELC kids. We want to pray for all of this, and I want you to covenant with me to pray for all of our teachers and our, our school workers and our students. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, this, this group here represents our students that are going to school. Uh, they're carrying their backpacks, and what's in their backpacks is important because it helps them uh, to be curious and to learn and to become that generation that leads into the future. 
But Lord, the people that carry those backpacks, those students, that's the real precious cargo here. We pray for them. We pray that you would just send your angels to protect our kids, help them be safe, help them to learn, help them to be excited. And God bless our teachers. They've been through so much the last couple of years. Sometimes they've had to do things they never thought they'd have to do, teach remotely, uh, learn new technology, learn to try to, to teach without students actually in the room with them. So God bless them. They get, they get a lot of, of flack and a lot of hard work but God, they also get a blessing when they see those kids light up and learn. So watch over them. For the administrators like Mr. Ash and for the custodians and for the lunchroom workers, for the school bus drivers, we pray for all of them, Lord, because we want it all to be good this year and for everybody to be excited and have a good year. We ask all this humbly in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you all. Now, Miss Catherine's gonna take our kids to children's church now. They don't usually have their backpacks when they go to children's church, but they do today. And I wanna ask you to join me and stand as we sing hymn number 163, our hymn of preparation, Ask You What Great Thing I Know. Ask you what great
That's beautiful. Thank you, choir and JT and Rhonda and Benny. Um, the, the message, I will not stand alone, ties in so beautifully with what we're doing with Blessing of the Backpacks. We want our kids to know they're not standing alone. Our teachers and administrators, you're not standing alone. And I've intentionally kind of waited to this point in the service to, to, to mention um, uh, some, of, some of our church family that's going through a uh, time of sorrow and grief right now and we want uh, Miss Winnie Mae Beasley's family to know that she doesn't stand alone. We said goodbye to her uh, yesterday and I was thinking about, he's talking about Senator Ashcroft going around singing everything. I was thinking about Brother Elton went around singing everywhere. He'd sing to you over the phone or whatever and, and Winnie Mae joined him this week and we said goodbye to her uh, yesterday. And then that was, that was totally, uh, that was not totally unexpected, but then we, when we lost uh, Daryl Yarnell, uh, Andy's father, and that was, that was very shocking, very unexpected. Uh, Daryl's memorial service will be tomorrow at 5.30 here at the church with visitation from 4.30 to 5.30. I would ask you to pray for Pastor Andy and for Bonnie and for uh, Andy's brother and for that, the whole family, for Afton. We love them so much and uh, our hearts go out to them so much. They're gonna need a lot of love and care. And uh, Carmen McKibben has kind of uh, organized the meal train. We're gonna take food. That's one of the way we love people in South, isn't it? We give them food. So, uh, and I'm all for that. If you wanna help and get on, get on that um, meal train to, to help feed, feed that family. See Mac uh, Carmen, she's right back there and there are different ways. Even if you can't cook, you could still help in, that, in, in other ways. So will you, will you join me as we just have a little prayer for those that are, that are hurting and grieving right now before we go any further. Lord, um, thank you for that beautiful reminder and song that we do not stand alone. We know that you stand with us. You know that you are going to stay, be standing with the children and teachers and administrators and, and all those that are part of going back to school. And Lord, we know that you even walk with us through the dark valley. And we pray that in this time of grief and sadness that you would be with Miss Winnie Mae's family and that you would also be with, uh, with the Yarnells and our, our uh, people that we love so much, Lord. And they need you so much right now, not just today and not just tomorrow, but in the days to come when the, the grief is heavy and the load is, is tough to carry. So carry them, Lord, when they need it the most. And now as we open up your word together today, we ask that, that you would help us to see something of ourselves in there. Help us to learn something that would help us to grow in our love of you and of others. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, beginning on verse 29, and then going through Hebrews 12, verse 2, will be our scripture for today. And I ask that you join me. Uh, the words will be up on the screen for you if you want to follow along there. If you brought your Bible, you can flip on over there now. Uh, or you can just listen to what the Lord says through his word. Hebrews 11 verse 29 by faith the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land but when the Egyptians attempted to do so they were drowned by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace and what more should I say for time would, not, would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. Those who, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received the... They're dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented 
of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. On the 3rd of September, 1987, uh, Captain Henry Dempsey uh, set out on a flight from a small town in Maine headed to Boston, Massachusetts on an Eastern Airlines, a small plane, small commuter plane. But on this particular flight, once they got to about 4,000 feet, uh, Captain Dempsey heard a noise coming from the rear of the plane and he turned things over to his co-pilot and got up to go back and see what the noise was all about. And when he got, just about the time he got back to the rear door of the airplane, the, the plane hit a pocket of, of turbulence and dropped like that and shook everything. And it, it's, if you've ever been in a plane when it did that, you feel like, oh, wow, I'm about, my stomach just went to my throat. But it, when it dropped like that, then Captain Dempsey discovered the source of the noise. Uh, the source of the noise was the rear door, which was not properly fastened. And when the plane hit the turbulence, the rear door of the airplane came open, the stairs, the back stairs deployed, and Captain Dempsey was sucked out of the airplane. It sounds like something on Mission Impossible or something, doesn't it? But it actually happened. Well, while all of this was happening in the back of the plane, up in the cockpit, the co-pilot saw the red emergency light flashing that the rear door was open, and he radioed the tower, told them they had to have an emergency landing, requested ambulances and, and rescue helicopters, all of that kind of stuff. Because the co-pilot didn't know if somebody had been pulled out of the airplane, they didn't know what was going on. But as it turns out, the rescue helicopters were not needed after all. Because when the, when, when the rear door came open, Captain Dempsey had the presence of mind to grab onto something. And what he grabbed onto was the handrails of the stairs with his hands and gripped around with, wrapped around with his feet. So he was hanging upside down at the bottom of the stairs like this through the last moments of the, of the flight and holding on literally for dear life. And when the plane landed, he was, his head was 12 inches from the tarmac of the runway. Uh, when the rescue workers got there to him, it took them about 10 or 15 minutes to convince him it was okay to let go. And then when he tried to let go, he couldn't. He was squeezing so tight and it took another 15 minutes for the rescue workers to pry his fingers off of the rails of the stairs. Amazing. But it makes me think about what one person has said the definition of faith and I, I always connect these stories together because it, it reminds me that faith is holding on to God even in the face of the impossible holding on tight I don't know about you but I want to by just faith just hold on to God as tightly as Captain Henry Dempsey was holding on to the rails on the stairs of that airplane. By faith, we hold on to God, even in the face of impossible odds. That's what we see all in chapter 11. Chapter 11 in Hebrews is the faith chapter. And in the faith chapter, we see all these great characters of faith and how that they held on to God in spite of impossible odds. 
And sometimes these, these great heroes of the faith saw tremendous victories through this. It, I mean, my goodness, you think about Moses and leading the Israelites out of Egypt and getting to the Red Sea and talk about impossible. How is he going to, you know, God, you brought us here. How are we going to get across the Red Sea? But they did, you know, they did. They walked across on dry land and then the water came and, and covered the Egyptian soldiers who were chasing them. By faith, Joshua and the people marched around the walls of Jericho. And, and I, I always picture this in my mind, do y'all? When the people walk, marching around the walls and they marched around it for seven days straight. And, I, and I, some of you are going to understand this. Some of you won't. But when I, I think about Monty Python and the Holy Grail and the French knights that were yelling down from the wall of the castle, if you know, you know. Uh, but I imagine the people in Jericho were yelling down at them, what do y'all think you're doing marching around? You're not going to get through these walls. Y'all are crazy. I mean, just taunting them the whole time they were marching. And then on the seventh day, they marched seven times and they blew the trumpet and the walls came tumbling down. Holding on. It's impossible, but I'm holding on. And then individuals of great faith are mentioned here. Some of them you might not have thought about. Rahab, the prostitute who took in the spies in Jericho. She believed so much in Israel's God. She didn't even know who Israel's God was, but she believed and held on. And she was part of the ones that were, well, she and her family were rescued. Were rescued. And she became part of the Messiah's family tree and Gideon you know with 300 men won the victory over a huge army and Barak who assembled basically an unarmed group of men and they defeated 900 chariots of iron from the Canaanites Samson look Samson had his issues but when he was holding on to God he defeated all of the Philistines just by himself Jephthah, who you may not be that familiar with, but Jephthah was an outlaw living in exile, but was called back to help the armies of Israel. And he led the armies of Israel to a great victory. And then my favorite, one of my favorite characters in the, all of the Bible, David. David, who was a complicated man, but who knew what it was like to hold on by faith in impossible odds, going up against a giant with a slingshot. Are you kidding me? impossible odds holding on by faith and you could go on and on with these examples the heroes of the faith Daniel in the lions did Shadrach Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace you could talk about Elijah and Elisha who who escaped the edge of the sword and raising people from the dead it just makes you want to throw we're in football country it makes you want to throw your arms up and and shout for victory and and say Touchdown Auburn, touchdown Alabama, or, or you know, are y'all still out there with me this morning? I'm trying to see if you're still awake. It makes you want to hold your arms up and shout for victory. But then the other part of the story, the second part of verse 35, things shift. And we love to hear the stories of victory, but that's not the whole story. Not all of the faithful got to see victory, did they? No, some were tortured, refusing to accept release. Be, maybe being told when they were being tortured, if you just renounce your God and follow our gods, then we'll let you go. And they refused to do that. But they held on to their faith, even while they were being martyred. Some were mocked and beaten and thrown in prison. Prophets like Zechariah and Jeremiah were stoned to death by their own people. Isaiah, everybody's heard of Isaiah? Isaiah was sawn in two. Just like the old magician's trick, but it was real, y'all. 
This is what happened to these people. Some were just persecuted, thrown in jail. Some had to run for their lives, living around wearing sheepskin and goatskin, living in caves and in holes in the ground. But they held on. They held on to God, even though it seemed like it was impossible. And they didn't receive the victory in this life. They didn't. But they held on anyway. And they are the great cloud of witnesses that we see in the beginning of chapter 12. They are the ones who have lived through it and they died and they lived by faith and they died by faith and they're in the stands. I love how the Bible has sporting method, uh, uh, metaphors. I, I love the picture in my mind, a large stadium with, with a track and a race course down there and all of those great cloud of witnesses are the ones who held on some of them got to see the victory on this side some of them didn't get to see it till the other side but they're there and they're cheering on you know what the last uh last week today and next week we're having just a little three-part kind of running the race series ready set go Today is set. Yeah, last week we were talking about being ready for that race. You know, having, you're being dressed and ready and having our lamps lit and being ready at the moment's notice. And now if you have, if you've got one of the outlines coming in, you see that there's a, there's a runner in the starting blocks. And, it, and he's set, okay? And he's ready for that gun to go off to begin the race and so I want you to think how we are set in faith for the race. We have set an example before us. The example has already been set. And the only question is, are we going to pay attention? The example's there. Here's the example that they set in chapter 11. The example they set, great victory sometimes on this side. Not always, though, but still holding on because faith is holding on to God even in the face of impossible odds. The real question is, for you and me, will we hold on? Because the way gets tough sometimes and the odds look impossible sometimes. Will we hold on? The example set before us. You know what the best example is? The pioneer and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. Set the example for us. The example of how to run the race with faithfulness, even when the course takes you through Calvary, you still run because your eyes are fixed on that something better. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. The example set before us. Will we follow it? The race is also set before us. We don't have to wander around and, and wonder which way to go. The course is laid out before us. The race is before us. Uh, several years ago, I took a group of, of sixth graders to Camp Lee, uh, just outside of Anniston, a great Methodist camp. There's a fun, fun place, and Pastor Andy's gonna be taking our youth there um, in the not too distant future. And I love Camp Lee. You know how do you get to Camp Lee? You turn on Chocolaca Road. Now, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. I just like saying Chocolaca. I think that's the greatest name for a road that's ever been. So you turn on Chocolaca Road and you go to Camp Lee. So we were there for a confirmation retreat. We had a wonderful time, wonderful group of sixth graders. They were all so smart and they were all so sure of themselves. They were all natural born leaders. They were all alpha dogs. You know what I'm saying? So their parents, a bunch of their parents were there, youth counselors were there. So we did, and it, it, this one particular day on this Saturday, and so I said, now, all right, everybody, we're gonna go to the ropes course. So they jumped up and out the door they went, walking down this group of sixth grade, walking down the gravel road. The only problem was they didn't know where the ropes course was. But they were going anyway. And I, we, get, we just laughed and I stood back there with the parents and the counselors and I said, I wonder how far they'll get 
before they realize they don't know which way to go. <laughs> it, it was quite a ways before they finally realized that we just don't know where the rope's course is. I guess we better look and see where it's supposed to be. Listen, don't we do that sometimes though? We just, just head out. And, and, but you know, we don't have to do that. The course is set before us. It's, it's there. It's set before us. Now it's not easy. If life is like a race, and it is like a race, it's like an obstacle course or a ropes course or something. It's not easy. Um, back in 1978, there was a great book called The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. Any of y'all have heard The Road Less Traveled? Um, and I, I, don't, I read it. It's been a long time since I read it. But I remember the first three words of that book. Life is difficult. Life is difficult. Because the, the way is, is set before us. The race is set before us. And the prize is set before us. But in the meantime, life is difficult. You know, Scott Peck wasn't the first one to say that. Jesus actually said something like that 2,000 years earlier. He said, I've told you that in this world you will have trouble. You'll have trouble. You see, this race that we're running is difficult. It's not easy. The prize is set before us. In order for us to be able to run it, we're going to need to have every advantage that we can. We've already got the example set before us. But Hebrews 12 says that we need to lay aside every weight and every sin that clings to us because the race is hard enough without us sabotaging ourselves. Now, back when I was playing football um, and we would we put ankle weights on. I don't know if they still do that. Uh, we put ankle weights on. Uh, and, and we, would, we would work out and run with the ankle weights. The idea is get, get your legs and lower body stronger so when you take the ankle weights off, you feel like you're just flying. Now, uh, just, just truth be told, I was not the speediest athlete on the field. I know I see the shock on your face that, that I was not, I was not the smartest athlete, athlete on the field e either, Mr. Ash. But even I had sense enough to know you take the ankle weights off when it's game time. I mean, what kind of dummy would run the race with ankle weights still on? How silly would it be for us to try to run this race, the example set before us, try to run the race that's set before us, try to obtain the prize that's set before us, and be carrying around a bunch of weight. I'm talking about guilt and shame some some uh, uh, of us are carrying around grudges that happened from two years ago or or prejudices that we should have gotten rid of 20 years ago or or, or anger that, and or shame or guilt over something that we just could have given over to the lord and been forgiven of and let that that sin that just clings to us so easily the race is challenging enough without sabotaging ourselves. But the prize is set before us. The prize, that something better is set before us. Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8, Paul writes these words. I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is reserved for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, not only me, but all those who have longed for his appearing. It's, it goes back to the, to the ancient Olympic games. You know, the ancient games, they didn't have gold and silver and bronze medals. The, if you finished the course and you ran the race and you won the prize, you got a, a wreath of olive branches placed on your head. And Paul said, you know, when I finish my course, then the Lord is going to put the... the crown on my head and not just me not just me that's the something better 
When the book of Hebrews was written, some 60 years after Jesus had, had died and had risen from the grave and ascended into heaven, the emperor Domitian was just pummeling the church, just persecuting, just terrorizing the church. And the message, the message to that group of, of Jesus' followers in the first century was this, hold on. Hold on. Look, the example set before you, the race is set before you, the prize is set before you, but you just need to hold on. Hold on. Keep your eye on the prize. Hold on. Uh, Sarah Groves sang a song I really like, and if you are one of those people that can look it up on YouTube or whatever you look it up and hear it. it's called keep your eyes on the prize and it's kind of the way I want to end things just a few words of this simple song it's a beautiful song um, but this is how I want to close with you today the wait is slow she sings and we've so far to go keep your eyes on the prize and hold on Let's pray. Lord, how thankful we are that you have set the example before us. Not, not just the heroes of the faith, but you, Lord, our pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You set the course before us, Lord. It's laid out there. And we, we're not going to get off track, Lord, as long as we're following you. We don't have to wonder. And the prize is set before us. That's something better. Maybe we'll see the victory, Lord, on this side. Maybe not. But either way, Lord, with our eyes on the prize, give us grace, Lord, to hold on. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn is number 555. I love this hymn so much. Uh, and you say, forward through the ages. I'm not sure I know that hymn. But when it starts playing and you hear all were Christian soldiers then you're going to know the tune, I promise. Will you stand and sing Forward Through the Ages, number 555.
And now laying aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely to us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Amen.